Welcome to The Naked Truth. Peace to you. Let's pick up where we left off in the book of Exodus, the second book in the Bible, uh, chapter 7, I'm sorry, chapter 8, and we're going to begin at verse 1. And the Lord spake unto Moses, Go unto Pharaoh, and say unto him, Thus saith the Lord, Let my people go, that they may serve me. So, there's a couple of things about this verse. First, this is the Old Testament, so none of this is going to be quotes of Jesus. None of it's going to be in red letters, so you understand that none of this is Jesus speaking. Um, that's the first thing. The next thing to notice is that um, it seems to be God's uh, interacting with and directly speaking to people again. Um, even though, like we've read before in the New Testament, it says no one has seen God at any time. So you have a contradiction, but even beyond that, because we've gone over that a bunch of times, uh, so you can keep that straight in your mind. Look at what it actually says um, that um, uh, that's happening. It says that God is basically asking people to um, do something to free his people when, I mean, if you're God, wouldn't it be something that you can automatically just see to it that it happens, especially if you're able to pull off uh, miracles like plagues, like we read about that we're beginning in the last chapter, and that we'll probably get into more into this chapter, almost certainly. Um, but um, so let's just keep reading verse two. Oh, but the other thing is that he's asking for service so that they can serve him. Well, we know as as Christians, what Jesus says is that no longer do I call you servants, but I call you friends. For all things that I heard from my Father have made known to you in the Gospel of John. So uh, it's that servant-master sort of relationship uh, of what the word Baal, B-A-A-L, translates to used in the Old Testament again and again for who it is that the different people there would worship again and again, different religions throughout the Old Testament. And Baal was one of the masters that they would worship. And it would sometimes be Baals of different areas, like Baals above, uh, Baals of Fon, different Baals, masters of different areas. Um, but again and again, the word Baal itself would be related to evil or, you know, demonics or devil worship, as we'd say in plain English. Anyway, chapter 2, uh, verse 2, excuse me. And if those... If thou refuse to let them go, behold, I will smite all thy borders with frogs. So as part of the deal that we'll just say the Lord is offering to the slave masters at this time who are keeping the Hebrews, Israelites in uh, bondage in slavery at that time. Um, what he's telling them is offering them a deal to let them go. Otherwise, it's an option of a to let them go and you, you just get away with it. Nothing happens to you or B, don't let them go and frogs will be on you. So a plague of frogs, in other words, so frogs jumping up everywhere. Uh, verse three, and the rivers shall bring forth, forth frogs abundantly, which shall go up and come into thine house and into thy bedchamber and upon thy bed and into the house of thy servants and upon thy people and into thine ovens and into thy kneading troughs. So basically they're going to have frogs everywhere. Um, in their beds, in their food, in their pots and pans, in their kitchens, wherever they turn, there's going to be frogs all over the place. Verse 4, And the frogs shall 
come up both on on thee and upon thy people and upon all thy servants. So let him know it's not just going to be one or two frogs. It's going to be all over the place and all in your uh, in wherever you wherever you go, wherever you turn, it's going to be frogs all over everything and all over everybody. Verse five. So, you know, it's not just something that just, oh, look, it uh, happens all the time. It's seasonal. It's something that is it's a plague. It's a overrunning of frogs. And verse five, and the Lord spake unto Moses, saying to Aaron, stretch out, stretch forth thine hand with thy rod over the streams, over the rivers and over the ponds and cause frogs to come up upon the land of Egypt. So again, this sort of sounds a lot like witchcraft and voodoo or dark, dark arts as they're called the um, black magic. It sounds like casting spells or Wicca, that sort of religion. And, um, if you may want to dismiss that, but if as we've read already, Joseph, that that's one of the things, divination is the religion he practiced when he, at least while he was in Egypt at that time. But even besides that, we read about other animal sacrifices made at different times already. And we're only in the second book of the Bible that were made again and again uh, without it ever being uh ordained anywhere by any of the deities identified as God or the Lord. At no point up until now is there a prescribed form of worship required of people that involves making sure you slaughter uh, one animal or a whole bunch of animals. Now we've, But we've seen again and again where people have done that, made offerings of the blood of animals, and I'm sure even though it's not um, it's written here and there as we read um, a human sacrifices also I'm sure are a part of what was happening throughout the time even though God at no time does God ever as far as I can remember so far call for it um, well I mean there have been specific cases where people have been have um, done sort of what we'd call spells where you um, sacrifice animals and do certain rituals but even offhand, I don't think that even then was it God saying, hey, go do this, go kill these, go offer this, and then this will happen. But I could be mistaken, but we're only in chapter two, uh, verse, uh, book two, verse five. And the Lord spake unto Moses, say unto Aaron, oh, so he's, this is what he's telling him to do this time, to take his staff and um, like a witch would her wand or a warlock would his wand, I guess, and stretch it out over the water and that being symbolic of something or uh at least maybe not even symbolic but it's gonna it's a part of the ritual to bring about the next sort of magic trick the next sort of big feat um that is set for the big picture of things verse six and aaron stretched out his hand over the waters of egypt and the frogs came up and covered the land of Egypt. So just like the spell required him to do the incantation, the words, the actions that he was told to do um, to make it happen, he did them and it happened. The frogs sprung up and overtook the land. Verse 7, And the magicians did so with their enchantments and brought up frogs upon the land of Egypt. So see, the uh, even the other people who aren't attached to the... Um, uh, who are a different religion, we'll just say it that way, 
are able to perform some of the same sites and cause the frogs to spring up on the land. Now how they did it, it's uncertain. They probably introduced something into the water um, that made it uh, uncomfortable for the frogs to remain in it, some sort of chemical or heat or cold, something to make the frogs will not want to be in the water anymore and spring up out of it. Or maybe some sort of food lure that would get the frogs to spring up, like bugs of some kind. I don't know. But it's possible to emulate some of the different uh, things identified as plagues as we continue to read through these things. But just like with the staffs that turn to snakes and then uh, the magicians were able to do that too. Some of the things can be emulated, but they aren't done the same way. And... Um, it takes a lot more to make them happen, whereas with, with the plagues that the Lord seems to be sending, there's no visible hand in it other than the hand directed by God, uh, that'd be Aaron and Moses. Um, that'd be the main difference, and I think the most uh, notable difference. Um, verse um, 8, then Pharaoh called for Moses and Aaron and said, Entreat the Lord that he may take away the frogs from me and from my people, and I will let the people go that they may do sacrifice unto the Lord. So it seems the frogs were convincing enough having them cover up everything and overtake everyone was enough to make move his hand or his heart to say, okay, well, this is enough. I'll go ahead and give in. I'll let the people go. He'll set the slaves free emancipation and so that they can sacrifice unto the Lord so he's saying that's probably not by accident and he's saying that he maybe in saying that he means and come back not just go sacrifice to the Lord and then you're free but go sacrifice to the Lord and then come back and keep being his slaves um, maybe he didn't mean that but it, it seems to me he'd almost certainly meant that uh, verse 9 and Moses said unto Pharaoh glory, glory over me when shall I glory over me? When shall I entreat for thee and for thy servants and for thy people to destroy the frogs from thee and thy houses that they may remain in the river only? So um, it, it's, it's almost as if he's saying, well, to God be the glory or God shined on me or God bless me or God bless you. When That's wonderful. He's like, when, just set the time. When do you want me to go and uh, let the Lord know you finally given in so we can end the plague of the frogs and the people can be set free. So he's happy. Uh, now, let's see how it goes. Verse 10, and he said, tomorrow, and he said, be it according to thy word that thou mayest know that there is none like unto the Lord our God. So he's saying, Moses is telling him, look, you set the time. Let me know when you want me to go tell the Lord that you've had enough and the people are free to go. He's saying, so when you, whenever you want the plague to end, it's up to you. All you have to do is say the word. And uh, so then he tells him that. So then maybe Pharaoh in thinking, well, he really doesn't have control over things like nature and these frogs. So I will just set a time just to see if it lasts until that set time. So if it lasts until that set time, maybe he does have some sway over what's happening. But if it ends any time before then or after then, then that'll discredit who the, the, the power he's attributing all the plagues occurring and his declaring freedom for the slaves 
too. He, so Pharaoh was like, okay, well, make it tomorrow then. We'll set an appointment for it in tomorrow. So Moses is like, oh, perfect. It's a date. And uh, so here we go. And he's saying it's a date and we'll set it at that time so that you'll know nobody has the power that God does to be able, even at the time you set in the plague that's bothering you, which you actually could end today right now if you wanted to, but that's not actually what you're interested in. You're interested in something else, sort of like the current pandemic in America. It could have been ended a long time ago, but that's not really what's at, at, at the heart of what people are after when it comes to that from so many different angles. Excuse me. Verse 11, and the frogs shall depart from thee and from thy houses and from thy servants and from thy people. They shall remain in the river only. So he's saying, okay, what? The time you set, the frogs will be gone. And the only place you're going to find the frogs is where they're supposed to be in the river. Verse 12, and Moses and Aaron went out from Pharaoh and Moses cried unto the Lord because of the frogs, which he had brought against Pharaoh. So Moses and Aaron left Pharaoh, the king's presence, basically. And now um, they, they're, um, they're probably disgusted by seeing the frogs all over the place. So they're crying out to the Lord. Verse 12, uh, 13. And the Lord did according to the word of Moses. And the frogs died out of the houses of the villages and out of the fields. So um it's saying the Lord did what Moses said, but it's the Lord who had already given the order to Moses to give to Pharaoh, whatever the case may be. And following the command, I think, is the point of why it's written that way. And Moses being obedient and following the command of what he was told to say, then the Lord, in response, it seems, is being faithful to that command and giving him what it is he petitioned him for maybe that's the um maybe there's a lesson in that for us as far as our prayer lives and the approach we have to take there maybe um verse uh 14 and they gathered them together upon heaps and the land stank so it lets you know it wasn't just one or two frogs it was a whole lot of frogs a whole lot of dead rotting flesh of frogs all over the place so it's not like they could just have a frog fry and just cook them up and eat them to keep them from um uh, from just sitting around dying and rotting everywhere and they didn't have refrigerators as far as we know um as like we have now where they could have stored them to eat later just in case you don't know lots of people eat frogs lots of people eat anything that moves or casts a shadow um, including frogs. So, but they didn't have those options. So the land's covered in frogs all over the place, dead and rotting and stinking. Verse 15. But when Pharaoh saw that there was relief, I'm sorry, respite, respite, he hardened his heart and hearkened not unto them as the Lord had said. So as soon as he saw relief from what it was that was bothering him, that's what the respite means. Relief, rest, uh, Things turned around. The frogs aren't all over the place. Frog jump, jumping everywhere and just springing up out of the water. But they're only in the water now and everything's going back to normal. As soon as he saw that things had turned around, he went right back to faithful, unf- being unfaithful and uh, 
hard-hearted. The same situation that the Lord said, he sort of set him up to be in the first place before it all even started. Verse 16, or at least before this part of it started. Verse 16, And the Lord said unto Moses, Say unto Aaron, Stretch out thy rod and smite the dust of the land, that it may become lice throughout all the land of Egypt. So, since Pharaoh's gone back on his word to uh, free the people and decided, oh, that's okay, the frogs are gone, and I think I'll just revert back, I'll backslide. He does what he figures. He backslid and back from what he just promised. From what, Remember, just like I said before, we can get relief from what's bothering us sometimes and forget so quickly that we fall right back into being unfaithful. He has, didn't waste any time at all. As soon as the frogs are gone, he's um, become unfaithful again. But that didn't make um, what he'd agreed to do, his uh, what he was supposed to be faithful to, go away. Just because his uh, his um, just because he breached the contract on his end doesn't mean the contract didn't exist and there's re- aren't repercussions for breaking that contract. Uh, so now the Moses and Aaron, the dynamic duo here, are being given another command to go this time, stretch out uh, the rod and cause lice to pop up all over uh, the land. Verse 17, and they did so for Aaron stretched out his hand with his rod and smote the dust of the earth and it became lice in man and in beast. All the dust of the land became lice throughout all the land of Egypt. So... Uh, lice, just in case you don't know it, are basically like having little bugs, uh, like your dogs get uh get uh lice and what are ticks, fleas and ticks. It's almost like that, but on people. And usually, I mean, it, it can happen in anyone, but generally, usually, it only happens with little kids, because uh, they're not all that hygienic, and then they are get too close to each other, and the bugs can jump off each other, and exist and live on each other. So um, it gives you an idea what it's like. It's like a bug infesting not your house, but your body, your hair, everything. And generally speaking, it doesn't usually happen to um, black people, from what I understand, because our hair is curly and it's um, our our glands are generally oilier. Um, but it can also happen to black people, especially when you consider that a lot of black people are um, mixed, uh, you know, um, everyone is mixed. Ultimately, scientifically, we're all mixed, but the more mixed you are, it seems there's more of a likelihood that, um, lice can happen to you. Although, like I said, it can happen to anyone. I don't want you to think that's a racist statement. Um, so anyway, um, that's what's happened. They've got bugs all over the place, crawling all over the, crawl, um, crawling all over them. Lice. And verse 18, and the magicians did so with their enchantments to bring forth lice, but they could not. So there were lice upon man and upon beast. So the magicians, the basically, it'd be just like the the cabinet of, of the presidency having cabinet members who know how to, or supposedly, uh, they don't know, they don't know what they don't know when they need to, but they supposedly know how to wage war when they when they need to and those people are basically what he has on hand there his cabinet and it it consists of magicians people who are able to manipulate the elements and bring about supernatural things um so that's 
um, what they turn to to see, well, if you can match it too, then it's just a magic trick. Or it's not just, I mean, because it's still significant and has powers. Imagine if you're able to unleash that on your enemies. If you're trying to fight a war and you're able to unleash um, that sort of thing, plagues of frogs or plagues of lice on them and attack them without you having to go in. And that would be still powerful, even if it is not um, uh, something uh, supernatural, even if you are just manipulating the elements to do it. But um they tried to do it and they couldn't. Um, verse 19, then the magician said unto Pharaoh, this is the finger of God. And Pharaoh's heart was hardened and he hearkened not unto them as the Lord had said. So even the magicians are recognizing that it's God's hand and the very only the tip of one of God's hands, a finger at work, um, making the plagues happen, at least that plague. And they most likely believe all of them because they, like I said, they may have been able to replicate some of the plagues, but that doesn't explain how uh, Moses and Aaron are able to do it with the wave of a staff and some words, whereas they have to conjure. Um, so they recognize, even the magicians recognize that the source of the power is God, that that's who he's actually warring against in his stubbornness. And his stubbornness is related to the same thing America is stubborn about. In America, it's the history of slavery and the way it's treated black people who were here. Wow, the 1619 Project, I can't recommend that enough to anyone interested in history, but I, it's never been one of my strong suits. But anyway, that's a side subject. But it goes to the point of America's history with the same subject of slavery and its treatment of black people. In this case, it's slavery, how they're unwilling to just at a start, let the people go. But in all that's attached to that, but you see the same thing happens in American history. And now rather than deal about it, learn about it and teach it so that it can be avoided and rectified properly, people don't even want it being discussed. And they're actually getting their way from state to state to state. It's sad. And it's not Christian. It's not uh, It's not even Old Testament uh, way to deal with God. Sweep your sins under the rug rather than face them, confess them, and then make amends for them. That seems to me to be the message of most religions in general, but absolutely of Christianity. And yet people who call themselves Christians lead the policymaking of this country, which basically leads what's happening around the world uh, on paths that are anti-Christ, that are anti-God, that are not righteous at all, and yet cloak themselves in saying they're the uh, right wing, uh, the religious right wing. It's 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 perverse, and that's something coming from someone like me who knows what all about some perversities. Yeah, that is utter. That's truly perverse because you're messing with people's uh, salvation. Anyway, verse um. 20, and the Lord said unto Moses, rise up early. Uh, wait, did we miss one? Oh, no, so the heart is hardened. Verse 20, and the Lord said unto Moses, rise up early in the morning and stand before Pharaoh. Lo, he cometh forth to the water and say unto him, thus saith the Lord, let my people go that they may serve me. So the people somehow can get some sleep after dealing with frogs and now lice. Um, but in the morning, uh, God, he's, God is letting him know he has a nice breakfast message for Pharaoh and he wants that he has for Moses and Aaron to deliver. 
or at least Moses, uh, to deliver uh, when he sees Pharaoh in the morning. Verse 21, Else if thou wilt not let my people go, behold, I will send swarms of flies upon thee, and upon thy servants, and upon thy people, and into thy houses, and the houses of the Egyptians shall be full of swarms of flies, and also the ground whereon they are. So, you've seen the frogs, you've seen the flies, we saw the serpents with the staffs at first. Now, he's letting them know he's going to send, I said, I meant the lice. Now, he's sending flies, which would be understandable. If there's rotten frogs all over the place, then almost certainly there's going to be, it's going to be followed by maggots and flies, because that's the natural course of things. Um, so he's letting them know you're going to be overrun with flies next. If you refuse to do what I tell you, what you agreed to do already at this point. So now he's even going back on his word, uh, breaking that contract. But um, let's see, maybe he'll listen. Verse 22, and I will sever in that day the, hand, the land of Goshen in which my people dwell, that no swarms of flies shall be there. To the end, thou, may, thou may, mayest know that I am the Lord in the midst of the earth. So he's letting him know he's going to, God's, the message from Moses is that God's going to make it clear that there's a separation between, between the people who worship uh, God and the people who worship the whose worship is the worship of the pharaohs and letting them know that, uh, the people who live in Goshen. So it's separated enough from the, the royal cities where he's dwelling. Um, most likely you can I would think of it as like the slave quarters back in the American slave saga uh, where the slaves were in shacks, basically. No matter through corn, uh, storm, or fan, or uh, or uh, scorching heat or snow, the slaves live in shacks and take care of the people who are at ease in the plantation home. It's so sick. Although in the case of what we're reading about here, they were uh, put up in the best of the land when they migrated, uh, emigrated from um, the land of Canaan, as it's called in the Old Testament and brought and went to Africa for salvation from the famine, they were put up in the best places. So they're probably living better than the um, African slaves who were brought here lived. Um, but still, there's a difference. And so he's going to also make it clear, Moses is making it known to him that it's going to be more than just that difference made known if you don't free the slaves. Verse 23, and I will put a division between my people and thy people. Tomorrow shall this sign be. So he's giving him notice, basically, that you, you're continuing on that path of obstinance and not and being hearted and not willing to set people free since you really can't own people. Uh, ultimately, I think that's the idea. But um also, because you said you would. So he'd already agreed to it to get relief from the plagues that were happening to him. And he's gone back on his word. So that sort of adds insult to the injury. But he's still given time because it's not going to be until the next day. So it's almost like another warning, another chance to change your mind. Verse 24, and the Lord did so. And there came a grievous, and there came a grievous swarm of flies into the house of Pharaoh and into his servants' houses, and all the land of Egypt. The land was corrupted by reason of the swarm of flies. So, just like the frogs, just like the lice, now they've got flies all over the place. 
uh, swarming all around them. So you know how filthy that would be because you know how flies digest their stuff. They, if I understand right, at least some of them vomit out the uh, the acids from their stomach to uh, help make the food that they're going to eat more digestible and then consume it. Um, it's you know it may sound gross, but people have acid in our stomachs also that consume the food. We just don't have to spit up first to make it happen. But um, so you can imagine how nasty that is all over the place to have. All of those plagues, one after the other, and the remnants of them hanging around. Verse 25, And Pharaoh called for Moses and for Aaron, and said, Go ye, sacrifice to your God in the land. So now he's emancipating them again. It's almost certainly, again, it's like the American story. You, so They set the slaves free, then oppress them, then give them a little more freedom, then oppress them some more through the Jim Crow and through all of the other oppressive real estate, health care, educational, every single way it can set up barriers to maintain the same slavery and just call it something else. It's wickedness, but it's the same thing he's doing here. He's offered them, offering them freedom again, even though he's already agreed to that already, but offering to give it to him again. Um, most likely for his own selfish purposes. Let's see. And Moses said, It is not meat so to do, for we shall sacrifice the abomination of the Egyptians to the Lord our God. Lo, shall we sacrifice the abomination of the Egyptians before their eyes, and will they not stone them? So he's saying, what he's saying is, it's um, not right, it's not righteous, it's not kosher, it's not acceptable for them to sacrifice the animals that the Egyptians hold as uh, sacred right there in front of their eyes. Because if they do that, they know the Egyptians are going to go hog wild and stone them. So like, it'd be no different than if you were to go to a Christian cross and deface it. You know the people who claim to be Christians. Even if they are in heart or just in thought or action, you know, whether they are actually or not, they're going to be offended by it the same way Muslim people would a mosque, the same Jewish people would a synagogue, the same way supposedly American patriots would have about the capital. And yet you see, uh, even that is only so sacred when depending on who's defiling it. Uh, but they're letting them know they can't sacrifice the animals there in front of them and not and risk being stoned to death. Verse 27, we will go three days journey into the wilderness and sacrifice to the Lord our God as he shall command us. So they're saying, no, we're not going to stick around here and, and make sacrifices around these people who hold the animals sacred and would be offended by our sacrifices. No, instead, we're going to go three days journey, put some distance between us and the land that's oppressed us. And um, there we'll freely sacrifice to the Lord our God. So um, he's letting them know that's the sort of worship that they're calling for, not whatever it is he considers acceptable in his opinion for the way for them to worship. Excuse me. Verse 28. And Pharaoh said, I will let you go that you may sacrifice to the Lord your God in the wilderness. Only you shall not go very far away and treat for me. So when he says entreat for him, he's saying, uh, intercede, pray for me, go ahead, go ahead and 
play the middleman, talk to the Lord, go ahead and end the plagues. That's what he's saying by entreat form. But he's saying, he um, basically saying, okay, 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 I give in. You can go ahead and do it. I'll let the people go. Uh, go ahead and end the plagues. Do what it is you have to do. Cast your spell. Whatever it is you have to do, but make the plague end. That's what he's ending it with. So it doesn't sound like he's actually all that sincere about um letting the people go but he does want relief again from uh the plagues and so he's giving the people a part of what they want saying you can't go but just can't go very far let's see how that's accepted verse 29 and moses said behold i go out from thee and i will entreat the lord that the swarms of flies may depart from pharaoh from his servants and from his people tomorrow. But let not Pharaoh deal deceitfully anymore in not letting the people go to sacrifice to the Lord. So he's saying, look, I'm going to go ahead and believe you again and accept your word that you're going to let the people go. But don't uh, don't double deal. Don't double cross again because um, you got by with it the first time you did it. You already are wrong for keeping the people enslaved in the first place, but you got by once uh, with it also when you said you'd do it and backed out and this um, plague started up again. He's saying, so now that you see that um, you can entreat the Lord, you can, you do have an intercessor, you do have someone you can go to on your behalf for to plead your case for you, being Moses, plead the case to the Lord for him. Uh, you do know that that exists now. That there is one there that you can turn to. He's saying, so don't abuse that and um, and change your mind again. Verse 30, and Moses went out from Pharaoh and entreated the Lord. So he agreed to go to the Lord, go to the Lord and, and plead for Pharaoh's, please Pharaoh's cause, play devil's advocate again on his behalf. So let's see how it goes. Verse 31, and the Lord did according to the word of Moses, and he removed the swarms of flies from Pharaoh, from his servants and from his people. There remained no, not one. So um, Moses' prayer was heard again. Uh, the swarms uh, were relieved again, and um, Pharaoh got relief again. Now, will he be faithful or will he change his mind again? Let's see. Verse 32, and Pharaoh hardened his heart at this time also, neither would he let the people go. So he reneged again. He um, backed out of what he said he would do uh, again, even after seeing the supernatural nature of what's going on and how out of control it can be. He's playing games with the Lord again. So you can imagine uh, that's not going to go over very well. But um, it was also, again, it's what the Lord said the, the sort of the heart that the Lord already said before it even began that that's the position he was going to have Pharaoh take. So uh, part of the big picture that needed to play out that way, it seems. Uh, but that is the end of this reading. I appreciate you checking out with me. As always, we have our readings at random times on these Mondays and Wednesdays of the Old Testament. Again, nothing Jesus had to say. Um, Although Jesus did refer to some of the passages from the Old Testament again and again in his ministry. But the things Jesus had to say, we focus on those red letters of the Bible, uh, those six books of the 60 plus books that tithe. We focus on that on the Saturday night readings, just after midnight, early Sunday mornings. And um, we post them here on these this platform, available while it lasts. Uh, 
Or if you're an adult, you can see it on my platform, hungteagirl.com. And check out the Spirit and Soul page. It's there to see the past readings. Check out the Body, Mind, Spirit, and Soul pages to see what helps me form my uh, the bricks on my path that we walk. Or I shouldn't even say bricks. Sometimes it's smoother than bricks. So um, what, what goes along with the way that we walk this path of life, um, you can find out all about that with the pages there on the site. Uh, get a membership, make a donation, or just enjoy the free content. I appreciate all of the above. Thank you for all of the above. God bless you for all of the above. Please stay safe, wear your mask, wash your hands, love your neighbor. It seems this whole uh, COVID thing may be just about to crest and then, I guess, plateau. So we shall see. God bless you. Stay safe. Peace and blessings to you. See you next time.